Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Well, good morning, church. I'll do that again. Come on. I'm going to be one of those preachers like, we got to do it better. All right. Good morning. That was, that was good. Some of you just spoke in church first time in a minute. Hey, it's good to see you. Hey, if you're joining us online, we're really glad that you're joining us as well. Um, so who of you like being around the water? Show of hands. Okay, lake, ocean. All right, let's, we're going to do a little poll. The lake or ocean. Um, who would you, who of you prefer the lake? Being at the lake? Okay, all right, yeah. Basically about the first service as well. All right, ocean. Cool. Yeah, we always yearn for what we don't have, right? You got lakes right down the street, oceans, it's a minute away, right? Uh, so I, I love being on the water, and I, one of my favorite places I've been to on the earth is uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which is around the area where Sarah's from, and one of the things I love about it, it's got mountains, and it's got this awesome lake, it's called Lake Coeur d'Alene. It's a very creative name. Um, and it's just beautiful, and I love being around the water, on the water, growing up, there was like a period of five years where every weekend during the summer, we would go up to Angola and go to Crooked Lake. And that was our lake. Anybody been on Crooked Lake? Crooked Lake representing better in first service than second. Okay, that's fine. Um, and so it, we just love it. Like growing up, my stepdad had a bunch of different boats. And, and I like being more on the water than, I mean, I, I'm okay with being in the water. But on the water is where I enjoy it the most because then we're going usually really fast and it's a lot of fun. Um, but here's the thing. If you like water, you got something in common with Jesus, because he liked the water too. And in fact, a lot of his ministry was around this particular sea called the Sea of Galilee. And he would do a lot of his uh, miracles and teachings around this place. Um, and so if you like the water, then you have something in common with Jesus. After all, he spoke it into existence, so that's cool. So it was his idea. If you don't like the water, blame him, Okay. So in this uh, passage today, what we're going to see is Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he's going to come across two sets of brothers, and he's going to give them an invitation that ultimately changes these people's lives. And the same invitation that he gave to them is the same invitation he offers to us each and every moment of our life. This is an invitation that we responded to when we first surrendered to Jesus, but it's also the invitation that he gives to us each and every day. And he gave these men an opportunity to have more purpose in their life and more direction in their life. And they were able to step into it because they simply said yes. So if you have a Bible, we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 4. So if you have one and want to read it, that would be good because that's why we got it is to read it. Matthew, Matthew chapter 4. Um, and we are on the verge or on the, on the heels of him uh, telling us that Jesus went to the land of Galilee, the land of the Gentiles, to um, bring light. So the light has dawned in the land of the people living in darkness, in the land of the shadow of death. And this is what he says after this. Matthew chapter 4. Verses 18 through 22, Matthew records, As he was walking, Jesus, as he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. 
They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. So I want you to imagine the scene, right? Like, we're, we're along the lake, along the sea. The Sea of Galilee is like a very big lake, um, but it's also got waves. So if you like the ambiance of the ocean more, then picture the ocean waves crashing in. And you got the ambiance of the Sea of Galilee as Jesus is walking. So you've got the, the cool lake sea breeze. I just want you to like think about it. Let's put ourselves there. Like, because we're not there. We're here and we gotta like envision it because a lot of us like the water. Amen? So let's put ourselves there. Jesus is walking along the sea and, and this 30 year old man comes across these two sets of brothers and calls them to follow him. And this was, um, kind of common in the first century for a group of younger guys to follow an older Jewish rabbi. But what Jesus does is very different in how they would typically have this happen in the first century Jewish world. Instead of um, the, the rabbi going to, rabbi means teacher, the rabbi going to the people and saying, hey, come follow me, what was typically normal was that if you were a good first century Jew and you wanted to have a mentor to have someone teach you and, and show you where to go and how to go about it, then you would go to the rabbi and ask them, can I be your disciple? And they, they viewed this, the rabbis of the day viewed this as the responsibility of the disciple that you were to come to the rabbi and ask them, hey, can you, can I follow you? Can I be with you? But, but Jesus flips the script on what was common in the day as he often does. And he being a rabbi, first century, uh, Jewish man who was going to set out to teach people, he comes across these people, these men, and invites them to follow after him. So it wouldn't have been odd for um, someone in this time to follow after a, a rabbi, but it would be odd in the way that it came about, because Jesus is the one who pursued Simon Peter and Andrew, and James and John, and, and this is a good reminder for us. Because sometimes we think that our relationship with God is, is mostly us pursuing him. But that couldn't be further from the truth because our relationship with God hinges on his pursuit of you. We know that we know what love is, right? Because because God uh, sent Jesus to come to the earth and to show us uh, he was the one who first loved us. We were not the ones who first loved him. And so he came across these men. These these guys were, were getting ready for the day. This was probably early in the morning. They were mending their nets, getting ready to go fish for some some livelihood, right? Because they had to catch the fish and they sell it to the other people who were hungry because people get hungry. And that was their livelihood. That was their business. And, and he, he simply comes up to them and says, follow me. He, he saw the brothers and invited them to come along with him. Let, let's read this again. I just want to see what he says. Matthew records, as he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw... He saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them. I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers. He saw them. James, the son of Zebedee, his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets, and called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. They had the faith to just leave where they were and they started to follow him. 
Um, you know, sometimes we, we think that it's, it's us pursuing God, but what we need to remember is that the message of the gospel is that God saw you. He saw you in your struggles. He saw you in your sin. He saw you in your shame. He saw you in your guilt. And he was the one who came to pursue you. So we don't know what, what Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John, we don't know what was on their mind in this moment. We don't know what kind of struggles they were wrestling with. We don't know what kind of thoughts they were thinking. I mean, they were fishermen. They had a lot of time to think. They had a lot of time to just be still, be quiet. Because if you get too loud, the fish might not bite. They might not come, come, come through your net. So they had a lot of time to think and process. And, and we don't know what Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John really dealt with in life. We don't know what their life was like coming up from this, like up to this moment. Hey, just imagine, like, they're people like you and me. They had their own struggles. I mean, we know what kind of Peter's issues were because we read the rest of the Gospels and we can see that he was a hothead, really quick to spout off at the mouth, quick to turn to violence to kind of handle his issues. We, we know John, because he wrote the Gospel of John, he refers to himself as the, the, the disciple in whom Jesus loved. So we know he's a little full of himself. So we knew these guys got issues, they've got struggles, and so they're just going about their day, a regular day in their life, and, and you know, they're just kind of working and being able to make their living, and just like you and I would do, tomorrow morning when we, when we get ready for work, they're just going about their day, and all of a sudden, God the Son sees them. He sees them. Like sometimes some of us, we go through our days not feeling like anyone notices us. Not feeling like anyone sees us or knows us. And, and Jesus is walking along the sea and, and picks them out. You know, he didn't go to get his disciples, you know. He didn't go to the, to, to the, to the synagogue, to, to the kids who were like 16, ready to go to Harvard. You know, he didn't go to them, the ones who were the brightest and the most, uh, the smartest. He went to the, he went to the blue collar, the working class, to the fishermen. People who didn't have all the A's or the A pluses, they didn't have all the opportunities. They they were doing that kind of work, and that and that's the people he chose. He sees you and he sees me. And the cool thing about what we see happening in this moment is Jesus is going to a land of a people who are living in darkness, a, a people where they were living in a land of the shadow of death. That is where these people lived. He goes to them and gives them light. And what we see happening in response, we, we learn a couple things. First, we learn that the foundational command that Jesus offers is not, hey, believe in me. It was something different. We, see, we saw last week that he said that he went around preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then here we see him telling these guys, hey, follow me. So the, the first foundational command that Jesus gives to people who want to follow after him, who want to be Christ followers, who want to be Christians, is not believe in me. It's to follow me. And that, that's, that's a journey that requires movement, that requires trust, that requires presence, that requires going along on a ride together. See, in, in, our, in our day, in our American church culture, in, in our way of thinking today in the 21st century, we typically want to think about our relationship with God more transactionally. We think about it as a transaction. We think, okay, um, God, hey, can you do this? Like, I'll follow you. Okay, sure, yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I love you, that's fine. Um, can you do this in my life? 
Can you make this happen? This is my plan. I want you to go about it. Here's my 10 steps. Can you make it happen? And some of us, we buy into a kind of soft prosperity gospel where we believe that if we just do all the right things, then our life will go better. If we didn't. Some of us believe that the reason we are dealing with some struggles is because God's punishing us for something we did or didn't do. And I just have to help you on, like, help you with that. If, if you're struggling with that, understand that's a lie. That, that sometimes you do all the right things. Sometimes you follow Jesus, and and sometimes the path that you go on isn't very fun. It's full of hardship and pain. And I want you to understand, Jesus calls us to follow Him not just because moments are going to be good with Him, but because He's going to lead us to a place of purpose, to a place of direction that's going to impact other people. And yes, there's going to be hard times. Because look around, this, this world, this life, it can be hard. But he's not going to run from that. He, he's not going to flee from that. He's going to be with you in the midst of it. When relationships are hard. When you and your spouse aren't getting along. When, when you and your workplace struggle. When you feel tired and weary. And alone, he's with you. He's saying, hey, I understand what you're dealing with, but I want you to follow after me. And I'm going to be with you in the journey. I mean, Simon Peter, Andrew, James, John, they had no idea what was coming for them. But there was something about Jesus when he came to them that caused them to listen. There was something about the way Jesus was. Like, see, nothing, people who are nothing like Jesus, they like Jesus. Pe- people who are nothing like him, they liked him. They would flock to see him. They would listen to him. See, Jesus is the one who's calling us to follow him. And, and also, not just that they followed him, but when you decide to say yes to Jesus, when you say yes to him, you're inherently saying no to something else. You're leaving something. Notice what they did. So... Simon Peter, Andrew, they're mending their nets. They're getting ready for a day of fishing because that's what their business was. And what did they do? Well, Jesus said, hey, come follow after me. And what did they do? They left their nets and they followed him. James and John, they're with their dad, family business. They're they're in the boat with with their dad, Zebedee. And Jesus calls them, say, hey, come follow me. What do they do? (laughs) They get out of the boat and leave their father. And they come and fall after Jesus. Whenever you say yes to Jesus, you're inherently saying no to something else. And, and they, they started to, to leave what they knew. And they, they followed after him into what they didn't know. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't know what it was going to include. They didn't know where they were going to end up. If they knew the destination they were headed to, they might not have gone. Simon Peter, at the end of his life, he was crucified upside down for his faith in Jesus. If he would have known that that's how it was going to end, would he have followed him? I don't know. James, John, they, they, were, they were both killed or persecuted because of their faith. Same thing with Andrew. These men ended up giving everything that they had, including their very life, for this man who happened upon them on the Sea of Galilee one morning day. Would they have known? Would you have known if you knew the destination that you're headed to? Would you have known? If you would have known that, would you have followed Jesus through it? 
See, I think if they would have known where they were headed, but what they would experience in the process, and if they knew who he was, they still would have followed him. That's just just the thing about Jesus. Even though you might go through hardship, even because of your faith, you go with him through it. Because where else shall I go? To whom else shall I go? These first followers of Jesus show us that the foundational response to Jesus is obedience. If you want to be a Christian, if you say, I'm a, I'm a Christ follower, I'm a Christian, then it actually comes down to whether or not that's true, is obedience. It's obedience. Just saying yes. When he tells you to do something, you do it. That, that's what it comes down to. Okay, you can say, oh, my heart's in the right place, my intention is to follow Jesus. But are you obeying him? John says, if you, if, if you love him, then obey his commandments. So Jesus said that to him, and then he shared that with us. If, if you love me, then obey my commandments. And so they were called to leave what they knew in order to follow him, and they did, and now they are on a journey. Somebody's having a hard time with that message. <laughs> Sometimes those moments are fun, right? Just a little comedic relief. So they gave up something to follow Jesus because Jesus was and is better. And and we know this to be true. Plenty of people that you know, and some of you are this way, you have given up things because of your faith in Jesus. You've given up something because you said yes to him. Your yes to him said meant you were saying no to something else. Just here's some examples. What we usually see on the surface of people who follow Jesus are things like this. That, that someone who gives up their money, gives up more money for themselves in order to practice generosity. Some of you, many of you. You're committed to practicing generosity to the church, to missions, to to other ministries, to charities, whatever it is. You're committed to practicing generosity. And what that means is, on the surface, it doesn't make any sense because you know how much, uh, you know, we could accomplish if we had that 10% that we decided to give? Sarah and I a long time ago made a commitment to tithe. And tithing is just 10%. Just that's our base, minimum. Of what we're going to give. And you know, like we, we could have gotten out of debt faster, possibly, if we would have used that money for that. Or we could have, we could have gone some nicer trips earlier in our lives if we, if we didn't practice generosity. But what you and I, who, who practice generosity, what you and I know, is that it's not until you practice that kind of generosity that you start to learn some things about yourself and about God and about the way He wants to use you and bless you in your life. That there's something about being generous and being giving and open-handed that God only teaches you in the process of doing that. That you can't learn outside of it. There's something beautiful. Like Jesus said it this way, and we learn this in the book of Acts, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And like for those of us, like when we remember at Christmas time when we were kids... Like, you know, you look at the, if, if you were able to have some presents under the tree, you go to the tree and you look and you'd find the biggest one, the biggest present, right? Hopefully the present's so big, it doesn't fit under the tree, it's onto the side of the tree, amen? And you go to that and what you're hoping is, is that your name is on it, right? Because you are excited for what you might receive. And all that morning you're opening up the presents and you're feeling good, it's exciting, If that's your story, that's awesome. But then you grow up and you learn 
as, as if you're a parent or if you're an uncle or an aunt, or like, and you start to give the presents, you learn that there's so much more joy in the giving than there is the receiving. Even though for some of you, the, the gifts are like your love language, so you still, like you love to get them, right? But it's just so much better to give it. And so some people, like they, they gave up some of their money for themselves to practice generosity because of what God has done in their lives and in their hearts. Others, like they, they've even budgeted a generosity fund in their budget that goes beyond their regular giving, that they have an amount of money that is just available, that if there is a need that comes about that, that we weren't anticipating, that we can meet, then they do that. Like they actually prioritize their budget in a way that they uh, have enough margin to where they use a little bit extra to bless that single mom or that, that, that student who needs the help with some kind of project or whatever it is. And that's just a beautiful thing. And that happens when you start to follow Jesus because you start to see values in a different way. Some people, some people even give up lucrative careers, white collar jobs, six figure incomes, multiple six figure incomes to serve the most vulnerable people. And they find that, that life is even more purposeful and joyful on the other side of that, not because um, they, they have more money, because they, they actually don't, but because they have more purpose. And they're making more impact in other people's lives. Like people who serve and follow Jesus, some of you have done these things. Those are the kinds of things that Jesus' followers do. They even might drive a lesser car to have more money to help those in need. Just to be able to, just be, able to be more of a blessing. They could have afforded something bigger or better, but they chose not to. Maybe even some of landlords who have some properties who are able to rent those to other people sometimes may even choose to charge less for rent, charge less than what market, marketplace costs could, could get in order to help a family who's in need. That's like just beautiful pictures of God using his followers in amazing ways. And here's the cool thing, y'all, is... When we talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus, it means that we are being obedient and we're also leaving something behind inherently in that decision. Jesus is never going to call you to do something uh, that he's not already done himself. So what did Jesus do? When he saw you in your plight and in the shackles of sin that have uh, bounded you in your life, He saw you and he left heavenly glory in the throne room and he came down to earth so that he could give you what you did not have and that is grace and salvation. He was obedient to his father even to the point of death on a cross because of his love for you. Because he loved you so much, he was obedient to the father and because he loved the father so much, he was obedient to the father and he served you in such a way where you could have freedom to where you would have the opportunity to say yes to him because he saw you just like he saw Simon Peter and James and John. He saw you. He sees you. He sees you right now in the midst of your struggle. He sees you right now in all of the deep grief that you're feeling. He sees you right now feeling like everything's fine. And maybe it is. He sees you in that joy and that experience. And you know what? He wants to be a part of that. He wants to celebrate with you and to bring you to a place 
you never thought you might go. And that's what we see with him doing this with the disciples. In fact, we don't just see that stuff on the surface, like doing those kinds of uh, financial things and sacrifice and giving. But, but what oftentimes happens in a follower of Jesus' life is stuff under the surface too. Because these things usually happen in process as they follow Jesus. What is often present beneath, this would be uh, true for the disciples, that what they left were not just physical things, but something different. They left old motives. They left past patterns of coping with things. My tendency to ignore things and, and maybe put them under the rug or keep them in the corner. We just won't worry about that. They would have to leave the lies and the destructive narratives that they had believed in their past in order to step into the path that God's taking them on. Like some of you is some of me. Like I have had to do this and, and many of you um, have done this and, and some of you still need to do this. And it's probably going to be a struggle throughout the rest of our lives to leave these things behind. Some destructive narratives that we just believe and because we believe this, we're not actually following God in the path that he has for us. Things like this, like I am what I accomplish. It's just what I believe. I am what I accomplish. And that's what drives us to do the things that we do, to, to behave this, the way that we do, to try and achieve the things that we do is because I am what I accomplish. If I accomplish a lot, then I'm valuable, valuable enough. If I don't, then I'm not valuable at all. Or if I'm not busy, I'm lazy. And so some of us, the only time that we take any time off is when our body gives out and we get sick. Because it says, I've had enough. Can't keep doing this. It's because if I'm not busy, I'm lazy. Or, or, or some, some of you may believe I'll never be able to break this bad habit. This sin just has taken me over. I'm, not, I'm never going to be able to break this thing. You need to leave that behind and follow Jesus into the path that he wants for you to go. Or, or maybe for this, no one really cares about me. When they do give me attention, they just, they're just being nice. No one really cares. And all of us have got reasons why we believe these destructive narratives. We've had experiences that would give us reason to believe these things. Like how easy is it for you to receive a compliment? Or to receive encouragement? Are you like me and you just assume that people are just talking? They don't actually mean it? Just being nice? Oh, that's a great job. Hey, I really appreciate you. Do you ever believe them? Or are you like me and you're always skeptical? Because it's just a matter of time till they show their true colors. Or maybe that's not for you. I mean, I, I got this stuff too, right? Or maybe, maybe for you, it believes that my life sucks. I'll never be as happy as they are. I'll never be as wealthy as they are. I'll never be as joyful as they are. I'll never be as fulfilled as they are. Uh, because um, if I was as happy as they are, um, then, then I'll be more joyful. If I was as wealthy as they are, then I'd be happy. If I was as more as wired as they are, then I'll, I'd be more of a servant. If I was calmer. Like they are. Then I, and I'd be able to do that too. If I, if I didn't go through that thing, I'd be able to be happy too. If I didn't go through that experience, I'd be able to be used by God too. If that didn't happen to me, I'd feel more willing to serve, more willing to love, more willing to receive love from God and from others. What is it for you? Lies that we've believed. It's all my fault, or none of it's my fault. Lies that we've believed. 
Given enough time, everyone will hurt me. My worth is tied to how well I do. What kind of lies have you believed that you need to let go of and leave behind? People care more about what I do than who I am. What kind of old mindsets, destructive narratives, past patterns, lies that you've believed that you need to let go? Because when you say yes to Jesus, you're inherently leaving something behind. You're saying no to that. See, when it comes to Jesus, uh, the question we all have to wrestle with and ask ourselves is, are you up for whatever or are you closed off to anything different or new? Are you up for whatever? Like that moment, Jesus was just walking and they were just living their life. And he just said, hey, hey, you want to come with me? And they said, yes. Are Are you up for whatever when it comes to Jesus? Or are you closed off to anything new or different? Because some of us, we've been following Jesus for a long time, and we've not, we've not stretched us, we've not grown in anything, because we're the same person we've been for decades. People who grew up with us know us, and we're the same person. And let me just say, friend, if you follow Jesus, you should be growing and progressing into more of a picture of what he has for you, not who you used to be. And maybe the reason why you are struggling with that is because you are up for doing something new that he's called you to do. I can't go talk to that person about Jesus. I don't do that. I'm an introvert. I don't, I don't talk to people. I go into Walmart and I keep the mask on because I don't want nobody to see me. Right? Sometimes, yeah, just admit it. Some of y'all enjoyed that part of it, right? Like, I'm going to go in Walmart, ain't nobody going to see me, recognize me. I'm going to get in, get out, and get my stuff and go, right? <laughs> but some of us, you know, I'm not going to go and pray for them, offer prayer to this person. I mean, the Lord's nudging me. I feel like I should, but I'm not going to do that because that's just not the type of person I am. What, what, if, what if that's who God wants you to be? What if, what if he is calling you to do something like that? What, what if what if you could be a conduit for someone's faith growing in the Lord because of your faithfulness, because of your willingness to go outside of your comfort zone and say yes to him? This is why I want you to remember, guys, when it comes to Jesus, be up for whatever, because your yes to Jesus today echoes through eternity. Be uh, when it comes to Jesus. All right. So, when it comes to Jesus, be up for whatever. Because your yes to Jesus today echoes through eternity. Not just for you, but for other people around you too. Because when you just say yes to him, that means you're open to to receive and to do whatever he's calling you to do. To go on the journey that he is inviting you into. Too many of us, we think about our faith as transactional. What Jesus is inviting us to is a journey is a journey of faith and following in his presence, in his direction. Like, think about it like this. Uh, Some of you might have that friend. And what I mean by that friend is that friend who will call you up just randomly in a day. You got your plans, like you got your errands you got to run, you got the stuff you got to do. And that one friend will just call you up and say, hey, you don't go do the thing? You don't go do the stuff? You want to go go with me? And you're like, I got plans. See, Jesus can sometimes be like that friend. Jesus can sometimes be like that friend. And when he does that, because he sometimes don't give you any warning, just sometimes he hits you and like, hey, I got to go do that. 
Say yes. Like, what do you do with your friend? I don't care. Like that's, but with Jesus, always say yes. Because your friend might have some wild idea that would not be a good idea. And you need to say no to them. Okay? Go, go back to the drawing board for this. But you can just trust that Jesus' plan for that day and for that moment is going to be better than your plan and your, 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 your plan for that moment. It's going to be better. It's going to be better. So what, what is Jesus calling you to follow him into? Because when we follow Jesus, that means we're on a journey with him and he's going to bring us to stuff that we wouldn't have gone on our own if we would have just been on our own in it. What is he calling you to follow him in? Maybe for you, it's forgiving that person that wronged you. Maybe for you, it's getting rid of the bitterness that's been eating away at your heart for a person specifically or a group of people categorically that you've written off and you need to follow Jesus into letting that go. Here, what we're going to find here soon, church, is we're going to be going into Matthew 5 through 7, which is the Sermon on the Mount, and, and Jesus is saying, hey, come follow me. And what he's going to teach these disciples and what he's going to teach us is the way to live in the kingdom of heaven. And the way to live in the kingdom of heaven is far different than the way that you've been taught how to live. Because he says, hey, if you want to be my disciple, this is the way you do it. By loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That means letting go of all those things in your mind and in your heart that you've been bottled up. That you've believed that you've always held on to as your way of understanding things and loving and trusting Him with all of it. And then He says this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And some of us, when we look ourselves in the mirror, we don't have a lot of love for ourselves. And we got to start to see ourselves like God sees us. Because too long we've been seeing ourselves as people have said we should. And some of us, you know, Jesus even goes as far as to say this, like what it looks like to follow him is not just like loving the people who love you. He's like, hey, even the, even the Gentiles, even the sinners do that. Even the pagans do that. Even the people who don't love God love the people who love them. But instead, what you should also do is to love your enemy. And pray, pray, go to the Lord in prayer for those who persecute you. Not just who are mean to you, yes, them too, but for those who would even seek to do harm to you. That's who you're supposed to love too. So like, if that's the path that Jesus is calling us to follow him in, then what do we need to adopt and leave, leave, leave in the past and adopt into the future in order for us to adequately follow him? What do you need to obey him in? Remember, obedience to Jesus, that's the foundational response to him. What is it? Past patterns, you got some bitterness all riled up in your heart. What is it? Is it, is it just, maybe, maybe it's just simply some of these things like, I'm just going to make a, I'm going to make a decision to practice a discipline of reading the Bible consistently. I'm going to actually go and read the Bible. Maybe, maybe for you, it's, I'm going to, I'm going to get into prayer more often because I know that he knows far better than I do. Maybe it's just making that commitment. 
Maybe it's, maybe it's okay, I'm going to get over myself and all my uh, barriers and all my excuses. I'm going to join a community group. I'm, I'm going to actually trust that what God has designed in the church is that we would be a body of the body of Christ, that we would be built together and be brought together as his body, as a family, as brothers and sisters in Christ, and that I cannot uh, do this following Jesus thing alone, but I actually need other people along the road with me. Or maybe for you, it's I'm going to start serving on a ministry team because um, better is to give than to receive. It, it's, Jesus came to serve, not to be served, and so I'm going to follow him in serving other people. Or, or maybe for you, it's practicing generosity. Like I'm going to let go of this thing I've been holding on to, my finances, and I'm going to actually follow Jesus in this too. Because he's my Lord overall. Not just my beliefs, but in my actions too. Or maybe for you, because some of you have been following Jesus for a long time. Some of you are passionate about Jesus. And, and, and you have a story, a testimony of how God has been faithful to you in the midst of some hard times. In the midst of some stuff. You've seen some stuff. You've been around the block. You've run the marathon. Or you're in it now. And you've got some stuff that you could share. You could preach this sermon. You could preach a different sermon. But beyond any all of that, like there are some people in your life right now who could benefit from hearing about your faith and your testimony of God's goodness in the midst of hardship or difficulty or in the midst of success as well. And, and you help others take these kinds of steps toward Jesus. Maybe that's it for you. Maybe you got someone on your mind right now that God just put on your heart that I need to go and invest in them. I need to offer to pray, to pray and read the Bible with them, to answer some of their questions, to lean on them and to give them an opportunity to lean on me and show them what it looks like to follow Jesus. I don't know what it is for you, but whenever we say yes to Jesus we're saying no to other things so some of us got to leave some things behind and in our effort to follow after Jesus we've got to cling to him and then do the things that he's calling us to because friend when it comes to Jesus be up for whatever because your yes to Jesus today echoes through eternity not just for you but for everyone around you as well let's pray Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us and, and reminding us that uh, even when we are tired and weary, heavy burdened, um, sometimes we're apt to just do more and, and pray more and, and read more and, and serve more when what we need to do is to rest in your presence. Because you see us weary and tired and lonely and beat up and beat down and you see us in that because you're on the journey with us and and you know that we just need to be led over to some green pastures and to some quiet waters and to let you restore our souls god i'm thankful that you didn't just save us and say hey we'll see you in heaven here soon but you saved us and then you you said that you would walk with us that we could walk with you we don't deserve to be in your presence because of Jesus. Like we've got a relationship with you where we're your sons and daughters. That's just amazing. God, when we're tired and weary, when we're weak, 
Remind us that you're strong. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.